0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Kong San with Believe in SDSU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network, place with a show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Uh, on this episode, we're recording this on a Sunday night. We're going to reflect back on what happened during the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Um, Spoiler alert, it really didn't end the way we wanted it to, but that's not to say that this was an overall um, great tournament, and we're going to just discuss some highlights and lowlights. So without further ado, here we go. So we're going to sit down and talk about what happened in the tournament and what it means for San Diego State heading into March Madness. We were one of the first conference tournaments to go. So even as we were playing in the conference tournament, a lot of the other teams, uh, namely like the Big Ten, where Baylor, Baylor lost, um, as an example, they were just still finishing up their regular season. So we have a bit of a, a long break, I think, We stopped playing on Saturday, Selection Sunday, plus Thursday, so almost two weeks until we play again. So I'm curious to see how that's going to pan out, if we're able to recover from injuries and come back strong, or if there's going to be a little rust in the first game, which is always a recipe for disaster. But to put into context the challenges of a conference tournament, one, I feel like This is off the top of my head without doing much research, but I feel like a lot of the conference tournaments are in a particular region where maybe one of the schools is closest, and in this case it's UNLV, so it's practically home games for UNLV, which we'll get into later. And two, unless if you're, I think, maybe the top four seats, depending on how many teams each conference tournament lets in, if you're sort of towards the bottom half of the bracket, you're playing four games in four nights, less than 24 hours rest in between games, and it's almost like a high school style. I don't know if anybody's ever been to a conference tournament that's listening, but if you remember how it was in high school basketball and high school tournaments, you go to a big gym, a lot of teams are playing, you show up a little early, so you check out the game before, and as you're playing, if you look into the stands basically whatever teams are playing next are checking you out and just sort of watching your game. And that's sort of the feel and nature of a conference tournament. On a competitive standpoint, I think playing with tired legs and playing four games or four nights or three games and three nights, depending on where you're seated, can both help and hurt the top teams. It helps in the sense that by the time you get to a team that plays you and let's say you're the one seed they've already played one game in so they have you know you're fully rested but on the flip side if it's a game of runs and the most recent one i can remember is definitely yukon with kemba walker who rattled off six games in a row you if you're a team that catches fire at the right time you can pull off a lot of upsets so Conference tournament play is a very small sample size of what could potentially happen in March. So take that for what it's worth. Um, We caught a big, big break when Air Force upset Fresno State in the first round. And Fresno State had beaten Air Force twice in the regular season um, 79 to 68 on January 28th and 71 to 62 on February 19th. It proved tough. I think the old adage goes that it's really hard to beat teams three times in the same season. And we'll get into that also later. But the bullet, quote unquote bullet that I'm referring to is just the idea that we didn't have to play against Coach Hudson's team and that was a big help of playing against a team that didn't have the same level of familiarity that Fresno State would have. Um, that's not to say that the game against Air Force was easy. We were down by four at half. We led nineteen to seventeen with eleven twenty-one to play, and we didn't lead or take the lead back again until it was forty-seven to forty-five with eleven fifty-five left in the second half. But With the slow start, we really buckled down on the defensive end, especially in the second half, holding Air Force to just six points in the last four minutes. We had four players in double figures. It was a Jordan-Shackle game, 17 points. All of the shot attempts were from three with a few free throws to chip in. Malachi had 16 points, eight eight assists, a typical Malachi game. And we basically held Air Force to just six of 22 in the second half. So Slow start, strong finish, played the um, Aztec brand of defense and rebounding and sprinkled in the current version of that with a lot of shooting. So we were able to escape with a win when we advanced and we dodged a second bullet when Boise State beat UNLV. Now, if you remember, UNLV obviously gave us our lone loss uh, during the regular season, but they were out or they were without a key player off the bench. And I wish I can remember the name right now, but um, I'm absent-minded. So sorry about that. But with that, Boise State was able to beat UNLV at UNLV. So which I think in Boise State's resume, obviously they're not, I don't think they're going to make the tournament, but this would qualify as a neutral site game. Because, I think because it's a tournament, but Obviously, it feels like very much like an away game for them. Um, but playing Boise wasn't easy either. We were tied at 40 at halftime. And we were just off to such a sluggish start, down as many as 16 points in the first half. And it was just sort of that anxiety started creeping in of the letdown. I think being accustomed to march madness and just the way things are if the first game against air force didn't make me feel like it was going to be let down this game definitely did i mean being down 16 it just felt like a classic letdown game where we'd be down we fight back get close to like maybe seven points but ultimately lose by 12 or something like that however we were very uh I don't know if I want to say lucky as much as we were skilled and played that Aztec brand of basketball again, holding Boise to that magic number six points in the final 423 of the game. And a team that started 15 of 26 shot just seven of 30 in the second half. Um, this game was led by Malachi and KJ, 20 plus points apiece. And while we kept advancing, it just didn't feel like the trademark San Diego State game and by that I mean we typically play great defense and if it's going to be a low scoring first half we keep it close but we never feel out of it and we're on the cusp of putting the team away and then we use the second half to slowly wear them down and eventually win and the la- in these two games was sort of the reverse where we we were the ones that had to fight back and really put them away in the second half so heading into the final i was really nervous because we were going to play against utah state which i've said in the past is our biggest challenge and our biggest our toughest opponent in the in the conference because their games have been brutal Kita and Sam Merrill are two dudes who have very unique and complementary skill sets who give us trouble from all over the court. I say I say all that to say that this championship game was almost the reverse of what happened in the first two games. We were up as much as 27 to 11 with 256 left to play in the first half, then we cr- helped them crawl back they went on a 16 or i'm sorry a 10 to 2 run to cut the score at half 29 21 and sam merrill did his best jimmer for impression and was on fire this guy was making shots all over the court with hand in face hand in his face didn't matter off the dribble you know catch and shoot did it almost didn't matter what you were doing. It's just one of those things where he was just sort of in the zone, and the second half was a very back and forth affair. You know, one moment looking at the score, we're up by four. Couple of possessions later, I look at the score now. Utah State is up by four, and we're going back and forth. And it ultimately came down to this: Sam Merrill was missed, the, made a free throw, missed a free throw, and we hit a jumper, I believe. To go up. And then they tied it again. Or I might have flipped that around. But essentially. 30 seconds left. uh, Malachi misses a 3. Sam Merrill makes a 3. With KJ just draped all over him. And Malachi's last second. He from half court rimmed in and out. And that's the story of the game. We lost 56 to 59. Malachi struggled. uh, In the game as he went 6 for 20. And... This was the lowest assist output of the tournament. We only had 10 assists for the game as a team, which was the lowest since our loss to UNLV where we only had nine. And when we're discussing or recapping these games, a common theme with the men's basketball team was the wins typically meant we played as a cohesive unit and that generally led to having more assists than the opposing team. This was not, not one of those games. We were 34.4% from the field in the second half, or for the entire game, and that was the second lowest shooting performance of the entire season. 56 points was the lowest total we've had as a game for the entire season. And circling back to playing consecutive games with less than a day's rest, you can clearly tell that this was a game of fatigue. And when it comes down to it, it's the most, I guess, mano-a-mano type of scenario in basketball where you know both teams are tired. Both teams are struggling to shoot. They can't get their legs underneath them. And it's just a matter of who's able to make shots uh, at the right time. And in this game, unfortunately for us, it was Sam Merrill, And not Malachi. But nevertheless, I mean, I'm not going to... That doesn't mean that Malachi has had a bad season or anything like that. Um, My biggest takeaway from the tournament is a growing fear inside of me that there's sort of a blueprint on how to play against the Aztecs. You want to try and limit their assist and let them try to beat you one-on-one. We have some playmakers... Primarily KJ, Matt, and Malachi. But if any of them are uh, in foul trouble or sitting on the bench, the guys off the bench are complementary to them as opposed to replacing them, if that makes sense. And speaking of that, you just want to get some of their guys in foul trouble. I mean, they're, the Aztecs have a tendency, especially the wings, have a tendency to try and reach for the steal and if the referee is not, you know, kind of blowing a tight game at that point, then those 50-50 calls will definitely go against us, and that's a tough scenario. And somebody like Matt Mitchell, he's the type of player that really thrives off of his ability to rebound, get to the paint, um, get to the free throw line, to build into his jumpers. And when everything's going, he's almost unstoppable, but when he's in foul trouble and not really seeing the floor, it's really hard for him to get into rhythm. And that's very similar to KJ as well. Um, And you also don't want to foul. I mean, we're one of the best free throw shooting teams in the nation. So, you know, if you don't foul and just try and play one-on-one basketball with limiting assists and playmaking and trying to attack some of the wing players, some of the playmakers to try and get them in foul trouble. I feel like that's sort of the, the pessimist side of me saying that that's the blueprint to beat the Aztecs. However, the flip side, you know, the optimistic side of me is saying that this we're taking our lumps before the tournament. I'm a big believer, as I've said before, of sports momentum or, or sports karma or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was very scared if we were going to be undefeated for the season that we would have a big letdown but we're having these quote-unquote letdowns um, before the tournament and now we have almost two weeks for the team to go back, watch the film, work on their areas of improvement and be ready. They're going to be rested. They're going to build up their you know their team a little bit more. Who knows who comes back from injury or whatever. You don't know what sort of ailments these guys are going through. I mean, through the grind of a regular college basketball season. It may not be reported officially, but you know everyone's playing with some sort of an injury. And I was watching their post-game interview. You can see everybody was just sick to their stomach. All the answers were short. They were a little, uh, not rushed, but a little bit just to the point. And just sort of the theme was Utah State made shots. We didn't. And for a team that locked up the a share of the conference title with four games to play, a team that's only lost two games, a team that's off to the best start in school history, for them to still feel like this one mattered as much as all the other games makes me feel really good. They sort of have that next-level uh of competitiveness that you want out of a potential championship team. So I really do expect them to take these two weeks to rest and recover, but also really come back even more competitive and even more hungry than they might've been if they, you know, just sort of kept winning. So what does this all mean? How does this affect San Diego state and March Madness? Well, Baylor and Kansas are in the same conference, and they've lost to one another. And based on just their overall level of competition, I don't expect neither either of those teams to um, get bumped down to a two seed. So the remaining two spots, Gonzaga West Coast Conference, uh, they don't. I mean, they have Saint Mary's, and that's only because I know that we've played them in the past. So I'm familiar with the team, but. They're clearly not even head and shoulders. They're like a, a whole body above the rest of the conference. And the same with Dayton. So under the assumption that they win out and win their conference tournaments or even just get to the championship game, I think that the, the committee is going to see San Diego State as a two-seed. The difference is the if we were a one-seed, we would have likely been on the East bracket, sort of giving it the other higher ranked one seeds preferential treatment in terms of their location. But if we get, if we're that borderline and we get bumped down, just means that we're the highest ranked two seed. So we start with the location and obviously we end in the West bracket. I think we do that. I think that's what happens and we end up being, um, Paired with Gonzaga in the West bracket, the good news is I think it'll be more of a home crowd than if we were in the East bracket. If we were number one in the East, I mean, we would have had to also potentially deal with Dayton who is uh, they're just on fire right now. Um, So going to Gonzaga, I think looking at Mark Fuse's teams in the past, and we could get into this in a future episode, but they re- there's, a, there's a ceiling to them. I mean, they're very talented, obviously, but there is a limit, I believe, in which what these past Gonzaga teams have showed us. Obviously, their ceiling is just being national champs, but that gives me a little bit more confidence. I'd rather deal with Gonzaga than with Dayton at this point. And we just... Gonna have to wait and see at this point. Um, Selection Sunday is the fifteenth. We're going to have some time to rest and recover, and hope for the best. Uh, I think Coach Dutch said said it best in that we are the only two loss team in the country, and we have an impressive away neutral record, which is literally undefeated, or except for this one game to Utah State. So we'll see. We've played, we can only play who's on our, whoever's on our schedule, and we've done a great job. So the next episode, we're going to take a look back at the season up to this point, how we got here, and why it, we shouldn't consider this, while disappointed, we shouldn't consider this a failure, failure, no matter what happens in the tournament. Um, if you liked the episode, Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're available wherever podcasts can be found. You can find us on believe.com and at Believe podcasts. I'm on Instagram at NASGNAK, just my name backwards. And if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact us at believe.com. So keep your ho- I'm sorry, keep your heads up, Aztec fans. We have a lot to look forward to still. And until next time, go Aztecs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.